Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, John Helmkamp, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. Welcome back, listeners, to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast, live on Periscope on your Twitter feed at Red Shirts FF Pod. It is Matthew Betts. It is Matt Okada. It is John Helmkamp, and we're all rocking backwards hats tonight because no one can get a damn haircut, and we look ridiculous. <laughs> so here yes. we are on the screen for you, and no one's going to see my hair until <laughs> this quarantine is over or until I can get yeah. some clippers. Uh, but outside of that, man, I'm excited to talk tonight. We're talking dynasty wide receiver rankings. We've been running through those on the site. Started with quarterbacks, went to running backs. Now we're on to wide receivers. And boys, there's some spicy takes on tonight's show, so I am super excited to get into that before we do let's check in with the co-host okada how are things going out there in california they are going uh, i've almost moved into this apartment that i was uh sitting in the corner of over the weekend doing streams with you guys it was quite insane oh it was beautiful. Uh, but it, it's pulling together it's pulling together i found some shirts so i'm not wearing a tank top now <laughs> that's i'm disappointed to be honest i am disappointed uh, uh, in the lack of tank top uh, my hair is also a mess. I think we should do something, guys, where we find something we disagree on in regards to the draft and make a bet, and whoever loses it has to shave their head. Oh, that's God. you know that's just a win-win. You don't have to worry about the hat. You got the shaved head. We can no. all laugh at you. No, no. Right. I don't know if that's a win-win. I think that's a win for whoever makes the bet. It's a huge loss for everyone watching and for us. <laughs> <laughs> it's great though because oh, if man. I ended up having to shave my head. I would just still wear the hat, so literally nothing would change. Mm. <laughs> um, it, it wouldn't change at all. Yeah. John, how's it going tonight, man? You have a much clearer picture. If anyone else I has never do. been on our live stream before, John upgraded his camera a ton. Beautiful face is shining right through the screen at me. How's Very it going? Very it's it's great. You can you can really see the glisten in my beard now, which is fantastic. Um yeah, it's a huge upgrade. I'm loving it. Um I started back to work yesterday uh for the first time in a month so optimistic about the future outlook of our economy since i was actually hired back so that's a good thing so doing the whole working from home thing like so many and that's a uh that's a new a new game changer for sure but i'm uh i'm very happy to be back and working i'm happy to have an upgraded camera to do this with you hooligans and we are so close to the nfl draft I, i'm oh I'm getting it's coming so uh, eager. So I would eager. just like to state for the record that the real difference you can see with John's camera is his chest hair, which you can now see if he tilts his head up. <laughs> you could never see that before. Oh, it's there. Everyone watching on <laughs> Periscope is. and watching the replay on YouTube, I am so, so, so sorry. Uh, um, I'm not. Man, we lost a lot of listeners right there. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all. Not sorry. All right, boys, let's get into some football content. Before we do, remind everyone you can find us online, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. Our dynasty ranks are there. Articles are up there. Everything you need for fantasy football is there. Find us on social media at redshirtsffpod on every platform, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All right, fellas, let's get into the news. I got great news, guys. Christian McCaffrey, my Lord, 
Oh, he got paid. We talked about it with Austin Eckler, and I said, "Man, he got paid." And mm. Christian McCaffrey said, "No, I got paid." Oh, I <laughs> he got is now paid. the highest paid running back in the NFL, about sixteen million dollars per year, extended through twenty twenty five, which sounds mm. crazy to even say. Um, fellas, we had our dynasty running back ranking show um, just last week. He was our top running back for obvious reasons. Let's talk about more of a long term outlook here, though, for the team, because. They're making moves. They're spending money. They bring in Teddy mm. Bridgewater, who's 28, I believe. Pay him a pretty good amount of money. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey. Um, previously, I was in the camp that I thought maybe they were ready to tank and just rebuild this thing from the ground up because that defense is atrocious. But they're paying Christian McCaffrey. Does it make sense? What can you guys tell me about what's going on there in Carolina? Um, I don't know if I really am a huge fan of this method because you already had New Orleans in that division. Drew Brees is not going to let you win the division easily anytime soon. Now you have Tom Brady in that division running a very talented Bucks team. I mean, finishing third is solid for the Panthers in that division with those two teams. So trying to go all in right now, paying an extremely large amount of money to your running back doesn't necessarily feel like the move for me for success for that organization. However, for fantasy, it, eh, I don't really care how well the Panthers do overall. In <laughs> fact, if they do poorly, it probably means more catches for Christian McCaffrey as they play catch up all the time. So it's certainly good for CMC. Um, it's probably good for the offense in general, just to, to know that they've got him locked up and they can build around him however they need to. So not bad. Yeah. I, I think when it comes to the whole air quotes, running backs don't matter and air quote uh, argument. A lot of that is when you're talking about running backs that can't do what Christian McCaffrey does. I, I think mm. to me, he's the outlier because one, I think his game is going to age very well. And two, he's an absolute freak when it comes to receiving the ball as well. I mean, he puts up wide receiver one numbers along with his running back one numbers all in one position. So the overall production that he provides to your offense for the money, I think makes sense because they're going to end up paying DJ Moore, I'm sure, soon within the next uh i don't know how long he's got left but i would expect it to be in the next year or so Couple um that he's gonna yeah one to maybe two 2018 class right and they'll they'll be able to use the fifth year option on him as he's a first they could do that mm-hmm. it's yeah that's a possibility as well um but he'll kind of be next up i don't know i don't hate it because he's he's your team's wide receiver too as well so the overall mm. production that he provides to the offense mm. is I think worth it for the value that that they're getting that for. So I'm all for it. Obviously, if you're a CMC owner in fantasy and dynasty, you'll love it. Um, you're just going to be excited to watch him continue to grow in the new system down there with Joe Brady and everything that he does to get the ball to running backs in space and line them up all over the field. It's going to be fun to watch. Now, Betts, I want to throw this back your way. It, paying in this amount of money, and to John's point, it can be justified if he's your RB1 and your wide receiver too, or even one, by the way, on a catches basis. Yeah. Is this going to be something where he starts to get worn down and can't hold up to that amount of touches every year? Do you think that there's anything in his history that would indicate any concern? Is it just no one can withstand that kind of workload? Or is Christian McCaffrey maybe a kind of guy who could just 
take 350 touches every year and be fun. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing in his injury history that worries me. So there's nothing that I'm saying that this is a, a bad move because of his injuries. But when you look at the landscape of running backs, we were just talking about it before we went live and recorded. You know, Zeke's the only one that's really worked out so far, and it's probably still too early to even tell for that one. So I think time will tell. Running backs just don't hold up the way we want them to for years and years and years, um, especially if they're going to use him the way they did last year. It's fantastic for fantasy, of course, um, but that's not sustainable long term. I think, you know, his skill set, like John was saying, is just so unique to be able to line up in the slot, to be able to catch the football out of the backfield, truly an, an offensive weapon. And if they continue to use him that way as, you know, two or three years go by, I think they can they can make the contract last longer, so to speak. Uh, but if they keep giving him 350 touches, I don't know how that'll, that'll hold up that long. Nothing against him. It's just it just doesn't happen. Yeah, 403 last year, by the way. 326 oh. Oh, year before. Gosh. He led the league unreal. at 403 in 2019. Absolutely unreal. That's not nice. touches. That's quite a bit. Um, I just reminded myself of something, by the way, before we move on into our rankings. Um, we are doing a live stream for the NFL draft round one. Unfortunately, mm. Okada's going to be slaving away at the network. Boo. Working to watch football. We don't feel bad for you. No, uh, no we do. We do. Uh, but John and I are going to hold it down. We're going to yeah. broadcast round one live on Periscope. Um, probably live on YouTube as well. But the reason I mention that is because we are doing a contest for the draft, which we will mm. announce the full details of in a day or two, probably. But we'll announce it a little bit here. We're going to do a, a guess the top 10 uh, picks in the NFL draft in the correct order. And we'll put out a tweet about it and how to enter and all that stuff. But I want to say that because we're on camera and we are giving away one of these bad boys. Oh, a brand new brand spanking new. There we go. Wow. Red shirts. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Fantasy colors. Just hold it still. Yeah, hold it still. Uh, mug, which you can have full free. So that we'll, we'll put the details out there on how to enter here in the next day or so. All right, boys, we're into the wide receiver rankings. Coming in at number one in our consensus ranks, no surprise, it is Michael Thomas, the mm. PPR machine down in New Orleans. Guys, what is there to say? I mean, three straight seasons over over 100 receptions, so consistent, um, just so locked in as the top option for Drew Brees in that Sean Payton offense. There's so much to love about Michael Thomas. I don't know that we really need to touch on how good of a player he is. Can you poke any holes in his game or maybe in his dynasty value given that Drew Brees is now, what, 40 years old? It would be easier to poke holes in that if he didn't do pretty much just as well with Teddy Bridgewater last year as he did with Brees. Like, and a lot of that honestly comes from the fact that Michael Thomas's game, and it, it, this is going to maybe sound demeaning to him, but it really isn't. He's not the best receiver in the league. His game is predicated off a very specific kind of offensive system a specific kind of route tree and uh, shorter area targets and then doing great things with the ball in his hands and catching literally everything thrown at him yeah. so that your completion percentage, if you're targeting him, is 90%. And, it, you know, it doesn't matter if you're hitting him for 30 yards because all you have to do is hit him three times for 10 yards. 
and that adds up to 30 <laughs> yards. Um, yes. <laughs> the point being, it it's not the kind of it's not like a Mike <clears throat> Evans or a Mike Williams um, kind of receiver production where you need a guy with a good arm. You need a guy who can make big throws. For Michael Thomas, you, like Derek Carr could support Michael Thomas with 130 receptions and wide receiver one fantasy season. Andy Dalton could probably do it. It takes a competent quarterback. And so uh, maybe more than anybody else, and that's honestly one of the reasons he gets to number one is because of the safety of that. I feel okay about his future, even though his veteran QB's uh, career may be coming to an end because I think that whoever slides in there, and I don't think it'll be Taysom Hill, by the way, will be sufficient. Yeah. John says yes. Uh, I mean, that's that's <laughs> all there is to say. He's um, he's as bulletproof a wide receiver as you could ask for right now. Um, future situations might change. We don't always know what to expect of that or what that's going to look like. But... Um, even if you only have one more year of Drew Brees, and that's literally the only question mark for me is quarterback play. Um, even though it doesn't matter a lot because of how he contributes, which I understand that. Um, but even if, even if his quarterback play does change, I think that he's still able to contribute in such a variety of ways that it's not really going to matter all that much. So yeah, he's a locked and loaded stud of a wide receiver that can flourish with anyone under center um so i'm really not all that concerned about it at this time yeah nothing much more to say for me um the guy's a stud what is there to say on to number two in our consensus ranks tyreek hill cheetah over there for kansas city chiefs pat mahomes top option okada you've got him at two john you've got him at two i'm apparently a hater i've got him at four how um, dare you how dare I mean, I? to be fair, I also am not a fan of Tyreek Hill. However, you hated me even more. <laughs> yes. Well, hey, I love the player. I do not like the person. However, we're here to talk fair. fantasy. And if you're Pat Mahomes' top option, that means a ton. He plays in the best offense in the league. He catches the football from the best quarterback in the league. The only reason I have him uh, at four versus two or three is just because I prefer the guys that are a spot or two higher than him in my ranks. And we'll get to those guys in a second. I honestly can't say much negative about Tyreek Hill. He comes in at number two for a reason for us. Um, man, that offense, unreal. And the nice thing about it for fantasy, nothing is changing. The exact yeah. same weapons are back. Pat Mahomes is back. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Demarcus Robinson, Michael Hardman. It's the exact same team, and it makes it easy to project. So given what we've seen from Tyreek Hill in the last two or three years, I mean, I think he's locked in as a top three to four option, regardless of how you rank these guys. So, fellas, let's chat a little bit more about maybe any off-the-field concerns that you guys have. I think that's the only really question mark I have about Tyree Kill. I mean, we've talked about a little bit with Tyreek, with other guys. Once you have even one incident, but certainly if you have multiple it does make, typically make me a little bit concerned about recurring recurring issues down the line. Um, and we've seen that for a lot of players. They just can't seem to shake those kinds of issues. And it's certainly a possibility for Tyree Kill. And it, it's honestly enough that if you, and maybe this is part of Bet's your rankings, but if you feel like him and the guy we have at three and the guy we have at four are all in the same place and you just need a tiebreaker... I wouldn't hate you, you you know, somebody using that stuff as a tiebreaker because it, it could have an impact. 
Having said that, I don't think it is going to in any time in the very near future. Um, I I see it continuing along how, how it's been this past year, um, which is relatively into the list. Hopefully that is the case for him and for you know anyone around him. Uh, and as long as he is on the field, he is a monster. He is he will absolutely destroy for fantasy. He will be Patrick Mahomes' best weapon for years to come. And I want him on my fantasy rosters, regardless. Yeah, um, we all know that Tyree Kill. Listen, I, I don't. When we're talking fantasy football, we're not condoning the person as an individual. Just period, blanket statement. This has nothing to do with personality or anything when we're ranking him this high. I do not like Tyree Kill as a person. He's gotten into some trouble. Seemed to have potentially gotten away with something that he shouldn't have. Whatever. We we can't value that in in fantasy. Um, sorry about that. Don't know what that crackling noise was. Um, anyways, when it comes to Tyree Kill, he is the best big play player in all of football. One catch can save your week. He mm. can be blanketed by one of the best defenders in the NFL, but if he can get one and get loose, he's gone. And it's a 60 yard touchdown. And there's your like 12 points on one play, 13 points. Throw up the deuces so, and, uh, and you're good. Yeah. Throwing it up and he's gone. So to me, his ability to create from literally nothing. And, and I've owned him in leagues over the last couple of years and you'll be watching a game and it's halfway through the third quarter and he might've been shut out. Like I think against new England, he was shut out until midway in the third quarter. And then I'm just sitting there. I'm just going, I just need one. I just need one. And he did it. He got one and housed it and it saves your week. So, but he also gets the volume to support a higher floor as well. He has some down weeks. Every receiver does, but I think that his upside in that offense, his ability to just house everything um, is so unique in this league. And he's stronger than people give him credit for. He has better hands than people give him credit for. He's a better technician than people give him credit for. He's not just straight line speed. He is a good receiver that runs good routes, has good hands, wins contested catches, he can leap like crazy. Um, he's he's a he's a total deal. So I can't really put stock into off the field stuff. I'm ranking him, assuming that that's done, and mm -hmm. maybe that comes back to bite me. But um, I can't figure out a way to quantify that potential when there's nothing immediately pressing. Like there's nothing that's currently sure. lurking or mm -hmm. no rumors or anything like that. I just have to rank him, assuming that he's going to be a guy that's on the field for 16 games. Well, 17 in a year. Ooh, fair point. More fantasy points. Love it. More fantasy. Um, yes. Yeah. You're, you spoke to the fact that he's not really that gadget guy anymore, which I think is a huge, like important thing to speak about because I remember like last year or two years ago, I don't remember exactly when it was. Okada, you remember we had Kevin Steele on the show? Yes, I do. Friend. I was just thinking about it when John was talking. And he was talking about how Tyree Kill is a true one. And I remember I was like, I don't know, man. We haven't seen it yeah. yet. Like, is he going to be that? And, you know, kudos to, to Tyree Kill. He certainly is. He's a very nuanced route runner, strong hands, everything you said, John. Can't argue at all. All right, boys, we are on to number three in the consensus ranks. I have Devontae Adams ahead of Tyree Kill. But he comes in at three in our consensus ranks. Guys, last year it was a down season, relatively speaking. Only caught five touchdown passes. Uh, missed about a month or so with turf toe. 
came back strong at the end of the season and made a, a solid late round, uh, excuse me, late run in the playoffs for the Packers. I feel so confident in this statement. I put it out on Twitter today. Dude, yeah, did. Devontae Adams is going to lead the league in receiving touchdowns. Like when Ooh. you look back at his historical data, like 10, 12, 13 receiving touchdowns year after year after year, and then five, and then how efficient Aaron Jones was inside the 10 yard line. I think Jones takes a step back. I think Adams takes a, a huge step forward or even just goes back to what he's used to doing. And then the the depth chart for the receivers is disgusting. You have you have Jay Sternberger at tight end. Yeah, Maybe. fair. But even so, like Rodgers, he's not going to trust a, a rookie. You have Jay Sternberger, who's done nothing so far. You have Jake Kumaro, who's a preseason all-star. You have yeah, Devin Punches, my favorite player in the NFL for how average he is. <laughs> And you have Alan Lazard. Like, how is Devonta Adams not going to absolutely eat this year? That's why I have him just uh, a step above. Um, I love this guy, man. So much chemistry with Aaron Rodgers in the red zone. Yep. He's a touchdown machine. What is there to say? Um. Okay. So I, I have something to propose, and it's kind of a chicken and the egg situation. So maybe it's a little bit hard to figure out exactly, but. I just pulled up Aaron Rodgers' numbers. Not Devontae Adams, but Aaron Rodgers. The reason I did that is because I don't think a quarterback's touchdown numbers are as, as fluky as a receiver or a, runner, a running back's because he captains the whole offense. Going back to 2011 when he had his MVP season, these are his 16-game or full-season touchdown numbers. 45, 39, 38, 31, 40. And then the last two years, 25 and 26. And it has coincided with the rise of Aaron Jones. And two years ago, Jamal, Jamal Williams was also pretty involved. But last year, it was all Aaron Jones, 16, I think, rushing touchdowns. I am a little bit concerned that the Packers have figured out how to win without putting everything on Aaron Rodgers. And it's working, and Aaron Jones is very, very, very good. And Jamal Williams is also decent, too, by the way. And I do worry that if Aaron Rodgers' numbers don't get backed up to 35 uh, passing touchdowns, that it's going to be harder for Devontae Adams to get back up to 15. Now, if you tell me I have to pick three guys to get 10 touchdowns, he's probably still going to be one of them. And that's the reason he's still at three. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see 15 a year from him like it kind of seemed that we might uh, earlier, a little earlier in his career, really just before last year. That's my one kind of gripe. Other than that, Everything else you said, that's 100% true. Elite talent, elite situation. It's all good. Yeah, I'm in the exact same boat as Okada. They have figured out that they have a very, very, very good defensive front, and they are very happy playing really, really good defense and running the ball and not having Rodgers sling it all over the field. They're learning how to win with a quarterback that's starting to age a little bit and not have him throw for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. Um, so I'm with you. But again, I still have him at three. I, I still think that he's in a fantastic situation with maybe not the highest ceiling in the league, but a really high floor. And I think that he's still going to get a ton of volume. Um, I still think he's a double-digit touchdown guy on talent alone. Um, so yeah, he's still my wide receiver three. But... Again, I think it's a higher floor than higher ceiling situation. If you told me he finished at wide receiver five to seven, um, I'd be 
comfortable with that as opposed to some other wide receivers where the variance is super high. Like I don't need to draft the wide receiver that's going to be the wide receiver one. I need a guy that is going to consistently give me production week after week. You know what I mean? So I'm okay. totally good with Devonte Adams. He's my wide receiver three as well. Perfect. Good to have a little uh, a little pushback there, I suppose, on Adams at least. Kind of just a little, just to kind a of little. think just about little. all range of outcomes there with Adams. So that's good. On to our <clears throat> number four, Kyler Murray's newest weapon, DeAndre Ooh. Hopkins, comes in at number four in our consensus ranks. And guys, I don't know what to say. It just feels like that's low. You know what I mean? Like it's just so usual to put. Yeah. Hopkins either at one or two, maybe it changes year to year, but four seems low. And honestly, it's just because there's a little bit unknown as to how things are going to mesh in Arizona. You know, he, he leaves behind one of the most predictable situations in the entire NFL, about a 30% target share year after year with Deshaun Watson. So now he has a new offensive system to learn, a new quarterback uh, who we're very high on here on the show, but a new quarterback nonetheless. And now with all the craziness of what's going on with the coronavirus, how much time will they have to gel? Mm. We'll see. Regardless, he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Some will say he is the best receiver in the NFL. Absolutely unreal. Um, fellas, if let's say that we we used to be able to count on a 30% target share about for Hopkins in Houston. If we give him less, where do you think he comes in that at, at that range there? Is it like 25? Is it 20? Like how big of a hit do you guys see him take him when he goes to Arizona? I or see him taking a no, no. I definitely see him taking a hit percentage wise, and it could be. I would guess it will be as high as like five to eight percent. That's down at twenty two yeah. to twenty five. Having said that, I think there's a decent chance that the Cardinals throw. I don't know, 50, 70 more attempts than the Texans did, maybe more. Right. And if they do that, math is hard, but <laughs> he doesn't lose that many targets theoretically. Right. So that, which is actually something I'm thinking about right now. Like, I, I probably will need to look into that. And I'm sure at some point a little later this year, we'll start doing our projections like Betts and I did last year. And we'll kind of see how this works out for us with these offenses. But I, it may not surprise me if you do not see his target numbers drop that much, you know, maybe 10 or 20 targets, which it might be a lot for guys getting 100 and he's dropping down to 80. But for guys getting 160, and he's jumping into 140, that still leaves you in elite wide receiver territory. He's still going to be another one of those threats for 10 touchdowns alongside Devontae Adams. And he's still arguably the best talent in the league. So I, I kind of actually wanted to drop him lower than this. Yeah. Coming in in the post-trade uh, re-rankings, I was like, ah, I'm going to have to get him down to seven somehow or something. And I just couldn't do it. Yeah, same. This was the lowest that I could push him. Um, and... I'm yeah, I'm really concerned about the lack of offseason program, the ability to get chemistry there with uh, Kyler Murray. It's it's really difficult um, for a wide receiver to change teams in a normal offseason. And this is not a normal offseason. So mm -hmm. this is going to be interesting. I mean, I thought Odo Beckham Jr. was going to be locked and loaded for, you know, top three production last year with Kyler and, or I'm sorry, not with Kyler, with Baker. And um, that didn't happen. So. I think it's going to come down to how quickly does Kyler Murray trust him? Like the thing about Deshaun Watson is that he knew like without a shadow of a doubt, if I put the ball anywhere near Deandre Hopkins, whether he's covered or not, 
he's going to make a catch or stop a defender from picking it. And Kyler needs to get the same level of trust with him to let him know, like, if he's covered, he's not covered. Like, you need to get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. So watching the two of them adjust is going to be really interesting to me. Um, He might be a fantastic buy low candidate in September. Um, Tell you that much. But I still think, yeah, I think he's... I have him as being the most talented wide receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's how I view him. I as agree. Yeah, I not a hot take. Talent standpoint. Yeah. Yep. Talented wide receiver in the NFL. Um, it's just going to be a matter of how they mesh and learn that system together, that air raid offense. So I, I still love DeAndre Hopkins. And again, this is a dynasty ranking, which is why I'm not too concerned about the slow start that they might get off to. Because eventually they're going to figure it out. Eventually they're going to be one of the most potent duos in the NFL. Yeah, it's <laughs> we were just talking about uh, meshing with Kyler, and it made me think of this this quote. I saw it on I think it was Bleacher Report's Instagram. There was a quote of uh, <laughs> of DeAndre Hopkins. They, they asked him basically like, "How difficult is it going to be with what's going on in our country to get over there and like learn the playbook and get with Kyler?" He said something along the lines of like, "If I did it with Brock Osweiler." I'm good. Kind of oh, savage. Like, such, yes, savage. Oh, Just man. an absolute oh, shot at Brock. Um, but he's got D-hop. a fair point, man. If he can do it with those guys, he can do it yeah. with anyone. And certainly, uh, we like Kyler a lot. So, on to number five, boys. This is where it kind of gets interesting. Chris Godwin comes in at wide receiver five mm. in our rankings. Officially jumps Mike Evans in the dynasty ranks. Chris Godwin, what a season, guys, last year. Like, it, it was one of those scenarios where if you didn't buy into the hype, you were too late. Because yep. I can't remember in fantasy a wide receiver or any player being as hyped as people were for Chris Godwin last year. And man, did it come true. He came out and set the world on fire. What a perfect situation, though, right? Like, Jameis did not care at all. Chucked the ball deep, willy-nilly, like eyes closed, whatever. And threw a bunch of pick sixes. And I don't think we can undersell how important that was for wide receiver production not only mike evans uh, but also chris goblin last year like the system was perfect they could not stop anyone as a defense through the air so the the scores were always high scoring Jameis is coming out chucking the ball deep throwing picks throwing touchdowns whatever like it was just so perfect can the same thing happen with tom brady in tampa I don't know that it will. I have my concerns, my hesitations about the offense as a whole now. It's going to change a ton. But Chris Godwin is a talent, um, and certainly we like Bruce Arians there a lot. Here's what I learned by it. I learned that I should always trust Bruce Arians um, because he was all in hyping Chris Godwin in the preseason last year. He, he was him in fantasy, for sure. Oh, yeah. He took his own player in fantasy. Um, he was all in on Chris Godwin saying – this is my next Larry Fitzgerald. He's going to get 150 targets. He's like, when all of us are sitting here, like who, like who's this Chris Godwin guy? If you, if you're not like really deeply in the know, so many people had no idea who Chris Godwin was. And then suddenly he's going to be a wide receiver one and have 150 targets. And guess what? Uh, He was right. And he was an absolute stud. Looked the part. He's crazy athletic, great hands, great routes, good speed. Uh, like he's a talent he's real and um, I think so we've talked about Brady you know coming to Tampa Bay now for you know a month or whatever it's been I think at first 
I was really, really pessimistic. And like, if you go back and you listen to those episodes, I was like, oh man, hold up. He's going to just completely ruin this offense. There's not going to be enough to go around. He's not going to support, you know, the kind of numbers that uh, Jameis put up last year. And no, he's not going to throw the same amount of numbers. But I, I'm starting to think that it might not be as far off as I originally thought that it was going to be. Like, I originally was wow. saying, like, this so could Tom be Brady a-, a top three option this year. I'm not going to say top three, <laughs> but does Tom Brady finish in top 12 in the quarterback position? I think it's entirely possible with the weapons that he has at his disposal. That could really happen. Um, he didn't have Jack to throw to last year, and his numbers weren't all that far off. Um, you know, I just don't know that it's going to be as huge a downturn as I thought it was going to be. I'm pulling up Tom Brady's numbers right now so that I can have something to reference here. I need just two seconds. Um, So in 2019, 4,057 yards uh, for 24 touchdowns and eight picks. So Jameis threw for 5,033 touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And Tom threw for over four and 24 with jack crap as his wide receivers if you told me that with the weapons and with bruce arian system that he comes in and throws for 45 and close to 30 i'm 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 not gonna argue that like i think it's entirely possible that he does so i'm starting to come around more to the fact that i don't think that this is a death sentence for that offense that he still has enough left in the tank and with the weapons that he has and their ability to create after the catch that this might not be a death blow to that offense. I think Chris Godwin maintains his value as being a top half wide receiver one option. Yeah, real quick, yeah. I'm just going to put a, a comment up that we had here in the show. Clizzed, I think that's how you say that, underscore C, <laughs> uh, says Godwin is Edelman 2.0. He's better than on that. He's definitely better than Edelman. So 2.0 is 3.0. Uh, but yes, it, he is going to be more the guy to play that Edelman role, whereas Evans is going to play uh, see, the Gronkowski role. Like you can't even really compare <laughs> it to a Patriots player because they haven't had a guy like Mike Evans at least for a very long time. Um, but what I I really want to hit home on is kind of what John was bringing up. Like, and this is getting a little more into Brady even the Goblin, but it does really affect Evans. Who spoiler alert, we're going to talk about in a second. Well, let's yeah. just talk about him now. With okay. the, the whole situation. Because yeah, we have him. He, we have met seven. So yeah. are we is he next? No, are no, they no back to back? Okay, we're skipping no, six. Between. All right. We'll come back to six. But all right. it, it makes spoiler sense alert, to talk about it all as, seven. It does. as one big unit. Here's the thing. Like, right. this is not going from bottom of the league receiving core to a nice decent receiving core, like the Seahawks or uh, the Bengals of AJ Green is healthy, and this is not going from one of those situations. First and foremost, how dare you put DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? In the same <laughs> I was combo just thinking that too. They are not an elite duo. They are they are a very good average. duo. They're they okay. They're a little average. above average. Anyways, I digress. Anyways, this is <laughs> the worst. I mean, Eagles, Raiders, and Patriots probably were the worst receiving cores in the entire NFL. And the Raiders had Darren Waller, and the Eagles had Zach Ertz. So, like, take the wide receivers and the tight ends together, and you probably got the worst weapons in the league for for New England last year. And arguably the best. The Chiefs are up there, and the Buccaneers are there. That is the gap we're talking about for Tom Brady. It is a 31-team jump 
in terms of the talent that he's got, John's making a tiny little thing. Especially if they draft him a pass catching running back. That's all. I'm yes. Say. Yes. The Buccaneers didn't even have a good running game yeah. to complement that passing game. hundred percent true. So, and Brady didn't have a great running game either, by the way, in, in New England. So if all those things come together and you add that on top of a guy who has pretty much been successful every year of his career, still through for 4,000 yards, like John brought up with that awful receiving core. No, I don't think he's going to throw for 5,000 yards. I do think he could easily throw for 33 touchdowns. That is not out of the realm of possibility. And I do think he could throw for 4,300, 4,400 yards and really surprise. So if he is able to do that because of that jump in talent, his talent, and this is the chicken and the egg situation, will thrive also. And that's where I think not only can Godwin be my four, but Evans can be my six, which is actually higher on both of those guys than yeah. our consensus is. And that's probably because I believe in Brady maybe a little bit too much. But regardless, they can why. both be extremely productive. Yeah, I'll yeah, go no. I'll go right to Mike Evans on that yeah, and just that I I've got Evans as my nine. So still finishing inside the top 10 at the position just because um we haven't seen Brady sustain two fantasy relevant wide receivers because he hasn't had the talent that he has now. So I'm just really curious what it's going to look like when he has two really really talented wide receivers that are, you know, pretty different. A lot of people think that Mike Evans like just eats on the deep ball and he is very, very good at that. And I've brought up how I thought that Brady might struggle a little bit there potentially, but what Brady does better than Jameis is think. And he's actually really, yeah, think and he's (laughs) really good, (laughs) but he's, he knows football inside and out. There's not a defensive scheme you're going to throw at him that he hasn't seen before. He's seen it all. He's carved it all up before in his career. So his ability, I think, to manipulate defenses and get Evans open deep is is going to happen. And he doesn't have to have his, you know, 25-year-old arm to make that happen. And he's never had a fantastic arm. He's never been the guy that comes in with an absolute cannon. He's been someone that thinks his way through football games. So I think that he will be able to get Evans open and manipulate defense as well. Um, I think that Bruce Arians offense is going to allow both to do very well um evans has the lower floor of the two just because i think that Mm. godwin is going to eat so much more on the intermediate short quick hitting stuff than i think they're going to give to evans so i think that evans is going to be like slightly more big play dependent than godwin which is why i have him lower but they're both very talented wide receivers uh both absolutely could finish inside the top 12 of the position. Yeah, I couldn't have said that better myself. That's the reason I have Goblin higher. Um, it's the reason that I trust Goblin a lot more, uh, especially for this season and you know maybe next year. Of course, he's only there on a two-year deal, Tom Brady. Um, but there's something to say about Mike Evans, man. So underrated. Like We have to talk about him as a player, too, because it's not just Brady. I mean, Mike Evans literally has never had less than 1,000 yards receiving in so his entire career. So consistent. No one respects him that way. So, yeah, you're telling me that he gets a better, smarter quarterback. Um, Maybe the game scripts aren't as good. I still think it's going to kind of level out, right? It's like quantity versus quality of the targets they're going to see. And I think it's going to be okay. I pretty much echo exactly what John said. Initially, I was scared shitless for Mike Evans. Sorry, that was the family-friendly show. I was terrified (laughs) for Mike Evans. And now I've thought about it more, and I think it's actually going to be okay 
for him. I think they're going to both be fine fantasy options. I just prefer Goblin, who played about 60% of his snaps last year in the slot, as opposed to Mike Evans, who was on the perimeter almost exclusively. So that's the difference for me, but I think both are going to be very good fantasy options. Now do the right thing and draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Please, mm. please put CEH happen. in that offense. Please. Make it happen. It would be fantastic. Um, all right, boys. We're going to now go from seven to six. <laughs> we didn't plan to do it, but hey, here we are. Uh, before we do, though, I want to remind everyone about the sponsor of tonight's show. We can't thank them enough for sponsoring us. That is Nuts and More. Uh, Nutsandmore.com slash redshirts is the place to go for your peanut butters, your almond butters, your guilty pleasure, so to speak. Guys, listen, Ooh. we're stuck inside our house. True. It sucks going to the grocery store now. No one wants to do that. So when you go to Nutsandmore.com slash redshirts, use the code redshirts. You're going to get 15% off your order today. I use this product. Their products are so good. They're delicious. It kind of feels like you're eating dessert, but it's healthy for you, which is the best thing, especially like when we're thing. all stuck at our computer, not moving at all. So nope. uh, go on over, check it out. Nutsandmore.com slash redshirts. Code redshirts gets you 15% off your order today. All right, boys, on to number six in our ranks <laughs> here, Amari Cooper. Yeah. Now, this is a point of contention. John and I oh, both have him boy. at six. Okada has him at 10. So if it wasn't for John and I, Amari would be way lower. Okada, I'm going to kick it over to you, man. Why are you hating on Amari? Listen, I like my. Anytime Okada one. starts with listen, listen. it's going to be a diatribe. It, I like true. my <laughs> wide receiver ones to be reliable and consistent. Something that is the antithesis of Amari Cooper. <laughs> he is the least consistent, wackiest receiver. He is Cooper Cup on crack, where <laughs> he will have massive games and then disappear. Yeah. And last year, and actually since he's come to the Cowboys, it's been starkly home road, which maybe is good because it means you just put him in your lineup when he's at home and don't win when he's on the road. But the problem is he's Amari Cooper. He's a wide receiver one, and you can't put him on your bench just because he's on the road. But I did pull up the numbers really quick because I had to. So let me just ask you guys, all right? He had 1,200 receiving yards last year. Give me the percentage split, like 55-45, 60-40, that you think he was home road. Well, because you're saying it that way, it's got to be more. <laughs> what did you say, 72. John? 72. 72. 73. 27. Nice. Yeah. Disgusting. His top seven games, every game that he yeah. had 85 plus yards, were at home. And I don't know what it is. If it's a under the lights, if it's a performance thing, if it's a mental thing. He he did deal with a lot of mental drops earlier in his career. I remember with the yeah. Raiders that uh, contributed to his inconsistency back then. So maybe he's just a guy who like some days he's not feeling it and some days he is. And if he's at Cowboys Stadium, he's feeling it a little more. I don't really know. What I know is that at the end of the year, Amari Cooper is going to be a top 10 receiver. He's not going to be a top six receiver, by the way. He wasn't last year, and I don't expect him to be again. But he will be a top 10 receiver, probably. But the problem is that he will hurt you many, many weeks by putting up 40 yards and no touchdowns, which is not what you want to see from your wide receiver one. I want to see a right. 60, 65, 70-yard baseline the majority of games from my guys that I'm sliding in, especially if I'm putting him as a top six fantasy receiver. So... I am quite low on him, obviously, down at 10. Obviously, relatively speaking to the rest of the entire fantasy you know, group of wide receivers, that's very high. But 
he's much lower than you guys have him. So that's really my main issue. I think they're going to re-sign Dak, so that's not really part of my concern. I just want more consistency. Yeah, I'll say that for me, they're bringing in Mike McCarthy, who has done a really, really good job of supporting elite wide receivers for fantasy purposes. Um, I mean, Jordy Nelson, and then the transition to Devontae Adams, who had a bajillion and a half touchdowns for like two years in a row. Um, So I I don't know. I agree with everything that you're saying. I don't disagree with any of it. Um, I think that his upside is so good. I think that he's such a good tactician. I think that he's so dirty at route running. Um, he's Unreal. really good. He's really good when he gets his ball, uh, the ball in space. Um, like, you know, NFL network has been showing old, uh, red zones for the last like week. Um, I was watching that and he had one play down the sideline where he caught it, spun out a one defender safety was coming across, literally put the brakes on him. Safety went flying off to the sideline and he scampers in untouched. And both commentators are like, wow, like his ability is amazing. I want to see the consistency improve completely. Um, and I'm kind of hoping that a change at coaching will will help with that a little bit. Hmm. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm very boom bust on him as well. Like I, I had a hard time with ranking him because I very easily could have put him down around 10. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now, according to fantasyfootballcalculator.com, his ADP is currently at round two, pick 12. Um which means that, yeah, you're drafting him at the turn as probably your wide receiver one because you probably had the 1.01 and you're not taking a wide receiver right there unless you, you know, unexplicably went Michael Thomas instead of like CMC. So, yeah, you're taking like a CMC and then going at the turn with him being your wide receiver one. It's it's dodgy. It's tough. So there is a little bit of concern there and hesitation, but. I'm just kind of banking on talent and and kind of hoping that the coaching might smooth out some of the consistency problems. Yeah, those are all very fair points. And honestly, like when you look back at Amari Cooper's track record, I mean, just listen to his resume, like four Pro Bowl appearances in five seasons. He's still not even 26 years old. He turns 26 in June. Um, Four 1,000 yard receivers. receiving yard seasons in his career like it just sounds like a guy that you would be like yep no question he's a top five option in dynasty don't even think about it but like okada saying the concerns are real and i think my ranking of him at six um i agree john i could have put him seven eight nine ten somewhere in there but i think my ranking at six bakes in his upside with his his year-long consistency but i agree man those week-to-week spikes uh kill you in fantasy and they're so frustrating so in redraft i am almost team never amari uh but in <laughs> dynasty i'm still really really interested in this guy the, the talent is just undeniable um if you can put a full season together if you can excel on the road you know the sky's the limit with dak there uh in dallas um a couple more quick things i just kind of noted to myself while you guys were talking one is bets when you're reading off his his uh resume and his great yardage seasons one of the big problems is is I can't get a guy to number six who never scores touchdowns. Like he's had six, seven touchdowns most of his most of the seasons in his career. His max was eight last year. So maybe, you know, hopefully it stays that high, his highest ever with Dak and the Cowboys. But before that, it was six, five, seven, seven, six. 
I want my guy to be eight floor with nine, 10, 11, 12 upside. If I'm going to get in this high, probably in my, in my wide receiver rankings, or at least be putting out like 14, 1500 yards, which he is certainly capable of doing, but mostly he's, he's hovered more in that 1200 yard range. The other thing I will bring up because I just, I just checked really quick with our rankings is Michael Gallup. I'm the highest on Michael Gallup of the three of us. I have him at 21 bets. You hate his guts. You have him at 31. John has him at 25. I think that maybe I see Michael Gallup as more of a threat to be a 1B or maybe even to pull a Chris Godwin to Cooper's Mike Evans in the coming years. And that may affect my ranking of Cooper a little bit. Do you guys have any concerns about Gallup? Do you think he's going to threaten Cooper at all? Yeah, I'm really Gallup. not. Yeah, go ahead. Like, I think that he's fine. I think that he's a good two. Um, I'm not in the camp that thinks that he's a one. Um which is, in my opinion, completely fine. Like, not every wide receiver has to be or will be a wide receiver one. I think that he's a good asset to have for your fantasy roster as an ascending wide receiver two, potentially, but I don't see him as taking over number one duties. Um, I just don't see it. So I, I think that he's a strong wide receiver two, but not a one type. I mean, I don't have, like, I, I need to go back and look at my rankings, but in my head... I don't see Michael Gallup as being all that different to Mike Williams, except with like a little bit more explosiveness. Like mm. their overall ceiling to me, I think is pretty similar. And I don't think we've seen Mike Williams ceiling. I'm not saying like that he's seen his ceiling yet either, but I have those two like fairly close to my mind. I just don't see him as being someone that's going to come in and command a massive target share and go off for 1200 yards and eight touchdowns. Yeah. I think those are, are valid concerns. For me, I agree. Gallup is a perfect two. And if Amari wasn't still 25 years old, I'd be like, all right, maybe like maybe they could switch. But we still have six, seven, eight years of Amari being in his prime. So I'm not going to rank Gallup ahead of Amari until I see it and not even come close to them. I'm not saying that you rank them ahead, but come close to Amari until we see that start to change. So I'm still optimistic on Amari um, given the age and given the production so far. One other guy in our ranks here that doesn't score touchdowns, but you said Amari doesn't really have that 1,500, 1,600-yard season in him. Julio freaking Jones. Julio Jones. Julio Jones. Number eight, which is kind of crazy to say. Like Julio Jones, right? He's old. No one wants him. He's 31. But on red shirts, we do not care. Julio Jones is a top 10 receiver in the NFL until he's not. Yep. Guys, I don't really know what else there is to say about him. I mean, so consistent. I, I put this in the article. It's up on the website. His finishes at the wide receiver position over the last five seasons. Wide receiver four, wide receiver seven, wide receiver five, wide receiver eight, wide receiver one. Like, oh my until he doesn't do it, you got to rank him there. Even the, even if he is 31 years old. Um, any concerns from you guys? It doesn't really sound like it to me. No, in fact, when I uh, did an initial post-Brady move rankings update, I I slapped Julio Jones down to like, I want to say 10 or 12 or something. I was oh, like, this guy's old. Me. He's 31 years old. Get him out of my face. We're moving on. We're moving on to A.J. Brown. And then I came back and I said, I'm sorry, Julio. <laughs> I'm sorry, Julio. And Forgive I me, please. Seven, which is the highest of any of us. <laughs> And it, it's because I can't do anything differently. Like you just read off his finishes. He never finishes worse than that. Yeah. If if I had a guy who hovered around seven, like four to 10, six to 11, I would still like to 
feel good about putting him at seven. This is a guy that is one, four, five, seven, eight. It, it's insane. And yes, he certainly he is 31, but number one, he has not showed any signs of slowing at all. He's still a monstrosity. I think he is in the conversation with DeAndre Hopkins for best wide receiver yep. in the league, just like all around most dominant. Agreed. And the Falcons believe in him too. They signed him to an extension through 2023. That's four more dynasty seasons counting this year of production from Julio Jones. And I mean, is he going to get 1500 yards at age 34? Probably not. But is he still going to be a I'm not counting it out. It certainly could be. Yeah. And, yeah. And is he still going to be a high-end wide receiver two or low-end wide receiver one at that point four years from now after having another two or three wide receiver one seasons at least until then? Yes. I feel very confident that he is. And that is too much sure goodness on my fantasy roster to put him any lower than seven. Yeah. While everyone around you is doing their dynasty startups and going youth movement and trying to figure out which one of last year's rookie wide receivers is going to be the next Megatron. Um, just slow down and, and realize that it, you're not planning a dynasty roster for more than three years from now, for the most part anyways, because you can always trade, take Julio, take the sure thing. He's already that he's already what you're hoping those guys are going to get to. Mm -hmm. He's already it. And he's it until he's not. And it's going to be another three, four years at least, I think, of seeing this kind of insane athletic production. Now, I will say the only thing about Julio is he has some games where he just disappears. Like, there are the occasional one-off game where I feel like he gets one catch for nine yards. Like, every once in a while, it's a couple times a season that you're like, where the hell did Julio just go? Like, Where'd my wide receiver he'll, one disappear he'll to? explode next week for 234 yards. Exactly. Yes. That's the thing, though. Like, <laughs> if he does that, it's never back-to-back. -back, and he, I think he almost gets mad at himself. And he's like, screw that. I'm not getting shut down two weeks in a row. And then he goes off for, like, a 300-yard receiving game. It's yeah. it's mayhem. He yeah. is top of the mountain with DeAndre Hopkins from a most talented wide receiver in the league. Just really quick to speak to that, because I, I, it was interesting and I had to pull it up because it was one of the things I didn't mention about Amari Cooper. What you said about Julio, I think is something we all kind of have in the back of our minds, like he does do that. Last year, he had two games below 50 receiving yards. One of them was 30-something, so that it's not great, Bob. You don't feel good when you're, when you're Julio Jones doing that. Amari Cooper did that seven times, less yeah. than 50 yards. Like... And the, and you actually feel bad about Julio sometimes. All right, I'm changing my rankings. So That's now. what I'm saying, man. <laughs> it is rough with Cooper. Anyways, we can I'm, move on. I'm literally putting Julio over Cooper right now. It's oh, let's happen. go. I mean, it's I'm best. just reading the You're sentence. I, yeah, peer pressure is real. Uh, <laughs> I'm just reading what I wrote on the, on the website. Like verbatim. Despite finishing as wide receiver nine on the season, Cooper has seven weeks as wide receiver 30 or worse in fantasy. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I won't change our rankings. I won't change our rankings yet because the article is based on consensus, and I'll mess it up. I'll change by it. changing them. Oh, okay, cool. All right, good. <laughs> be good. You're good. Update it. All right, boys. Right, we're on to number nine in the consensus ranks. This one's going to be a good discussion. Ooh, Juju Smith Schuster. Hey, yeah. Now there are two schools of thought with Juju. You can either believe last year was a fluke because Big Ben was hurt for almost the entire season. Mason Rudolph was trash. Devlin Hodges was trash. <laughs> or you can say Juju isn't a one. And like John said, that's fine for some wide receivers. 
So, fellas, I'm gonna I'm gonna give my stance and I'll kick it over to you. I'm in the belief that Juju is a an elite talent at wide receiver. I am in the belief that he what he did at his age does not happen in normal yep. wide receivers. Now, granted, he was playing alongside arguably the best wide receiver of the decade in Antonio Brown um, in his couple years there in Pittsburgh. But I I think with Ben back, I think Juju rises back to the occasion. He also missed four games last year because of injury. Um, so, you know, Juju is, is an enigma a bit in Dynasty. You either have to be in on this guy or out because I think if you're in and you don't buy him now, it's going to be way too late. So I'm in on Juju. I have him as my wide receiver seven. I'm the highest. Uh, let's go to Okada because he's my best friend and he has him at eight. John oh, wow. hates his guts and has him at Thank 15. You. Thank you. No, it's yeah, because he's not has him at eight and you have we're 15. saving That's you. We're saving been. you for last, John, because yeah. you have know. a shamefully low ranking. It's not uh, shameful. so I, this is kind of what it boils down to for me in his second year in the league at the age of the ripe young age of 22 years old. Juju Smith Schuster had 111 catches for 1426 yards and seven touchdowns. Now, you can say all you want that Juju is the a guy who is made by having AB across from him and he can't be a one on his own. And, and I will say this. And his numbers were inflated by AB. And there are some merits to parts of those arguments, but on the most part, they're doo doo butt. And here's why. <laughs> if Juju had had 1,100 yards and six touchdowns on 95 catches with AB across from him in his second year at the age of 22, I would buy that. What he did was not that. What he did was above elite status receiving numbers. What he did was Randy Moss when Chris Carter was already on the team. Julio Jones when Roddy White was already on the team. Juju has a more of a likelihood of being in those guys' tier for me because of the talent that I see in him on tape than he does of being a, I don't know, one-and-done wide receiver two who gets matched by Deontay Johnson from now until the end of his career. It, it was just too good, and he is just too good for me to put all of those numbers on Antonio Brown or even enough of those numbers on Antonio Brown to where I don't believe Juju can do it on his own as well. So I, I am 100% in the buy Juju now camp. If you're if you're the, whoever owns him in your league says, I told you Juju couldn't be a one. I don't know why I have him on my team if I said that, but... Uh, and you believe that it's Big Ben that's the difference, which is what I believe, go get him. But if you want to listen to John's argument on why you shouldn't, you can do that now. Or you could mute the podcast for the next minute or two, which is probably what you should do. Just, yeah, just hit the, the uh, fast forward 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, the skip 30. Be good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, y'all are terrible. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I need... Juju on your dynasty roster? No, no, no. I'm yes, you do. No, I'm not getting him. On, I'm not getting him on my roster right now. Um, I actually had someone just offer him to me, and I didn't want it. Um. So right here's the thing. Words, so yeah. here's okay. Here's where I'm at when it comes to Juju Smith Schuster. I have him ranked as 15. I'm not ranking him at 30. I'm not saying the dude. That's is pretty completely... close. Okay, 15 halfway. is pretty close. To 30. I'm not saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's halfway, dude. I'm not saying that he is what he was last year. I'm not saying that he is because last year, I don't even know what his finish was. Awful. Terrible. I think he was I'll in the 40s. Yeah. I think it was bad. in the 40s. It was bad. 
I'm not saying he is what he was last year, but here's where I'm struggling to delineate all of the different points of data. Because a couple of years ago, you had a healthy Ben Roethlisberger, you had a healthy and prolific Le'Veon Bell, you had a healthy uh, 65. Yes, 65. <laughs> Just puke he missed a lot of games on a per game basis. Oh he was higher than that. I'll get you the per game number. You continue talking. Work on that. He had a healthy and prolific Ben Roethlisberger, a healthy and prolific (laughs) Le'Veon Bell, an elite uh, elite, uh, offensive line. He had prime Antonio Brown absolutely raking on the other side. That offense as a whole was probably the best offense in the NFL in 2018. It was absolutely cooking. They the defense had to worry about so many different options between Lev Bell running routes and Antonio Brown consuming double or triple coverage that he was facing like the third best coverage person on the team every single week. You take away Antonio Brown, you take away Le'Veon Bell, and I was already concerned about going into last year. And then we see all the injuries at the quarterback position, his own injuries and all that. So everything compounded at once. So what I'm struggling to figure out is I don't think he was what we saw in 2018. I don't think he is what we saw last year, but Mm -hmm. I don't have him getting back to 2018. That's what I'm saying. I think that he is an incredibly talented young wide receiver. He's still very, very young and will continue to develop in this league. But he went from facing like the third coverage person on a team to facing the lockdown person on every team that they faced with terrible quarterback play and his own injuries. So is he going to bounce back? Yes, he will. He's not going to be the 65th wide receiver in fantasy football production. No, he's not. I think that calling him wide receiver 15 is fine. That's a high-end wide receiver too. What's wrong with that? I don't think that's a problem in the Uh, least. You're you're uh, both wrong. Here's what I would say. Um, I would say that putting him at 15 in redraft, I could maybe buy a little bit because it's just one season after that horrible season and you don't know how far up he's going to get this season. And so you need like a little bit of a cushion for yourself to let him get back. But this guy is 24, 23, 23 years years old. old. The dynasty pump that you have to slap onto that wide receiver 15 number, I feel like has to get him a little bit higher. I don't know if Ben Roethlisberger is back at all yet. He's still not cleared. He can't get in to see their doctors. I don't know what. Okay, cool. That's nice of you to say. He hasn't seen their doctors. Speaking about his injury. Okay, great. Is he going to be full strength? Is he going to look the same as he did two years ago with an elite one? Well, he doesn't look good at all. A little fatter, right yeah. He looks terrible <laughs> right now. So even if he's healthy and back, is he the same as he was when he had an elite one A and one B option? Oh, and an elite running back. Oh, and an elite offensive line. No, he's not going to put up the same numbers that he used to. I don't know what their quarterback of the future is going to look like. I don't know how much longer Ben Roethlisberger is playing. I still don't know how much. He, uh, how much um, Juju benefited just from having Antonio Brown on the other side. If he comes out this year and can't put up wide receiver one numbers with Ben Roethlisberger back in the system, and we don't know how much longer Ben's going to play there, then I'm really concerned about his dynasty outlook. And listen, he's going to carry that name value. I know I'm not buying him because everyone's got him higher than I do. Everybody. I'm never going to be able to trade for him in a, in a way that I would feel good about right now. So 
yes, to me, he's off my board because of price. I'm not taking him where he's going, and I'm not trading for him because of what people want for him. I think that he's a middle wide receiver two with maybe some potential future upside, maybe possibly. Okay, I have to put this out there. It'll be a while until it can be followed up on, but if wide receiver 11 would be halfway between the two of us. If Big Ben stays healthy all year and Juju stays healthy all year and Juju is better than wide receiver 11, John has to shave his head. And if he's worse than wide receiver 11, <laughs> me and Betts both have to shave our heads. Who's it? Oh, God. Full shave, like clean razor shave. Uh, buzz cut. Or buzz. Okay. Yeah, buzz cut. I was you, guys understand, I <laughs> you guys understand that we would be completing this bet when the season's over in yes. January. Yes, it'll be a long Ooh, time. Someone's going to have to Vermont. write it down. It'll be it's cold. cold at that time. It's not cold where I am. <laughs> not here too, baby. <laughs> I'm in. Let's, let's do it. Let's lose here. I will put I'm up, in. I'm not doing. I'm not doing a shave bet, but I will put up a uh, wager of a different kind. I, I right, will we'll, we'll talk off pod. We, we we'll will settle talk. after the pod. Yep. Uh, man, this is it, it's the most fascinating player I think in dynasty to rank because mm. it's our biggest disagreement. Even at the running back position, we were pretty much in simpatico with all those guys. Maybe not Nick yeah, Chubb, but there's. But this is huge in terms of dynasty ranks. Like it's usually pretty close for a lot of people, but yeah, Juju is an enigma. Um, are you cool and you think he's coming back like me and Okada, or are you a nerd <laughs> like John who's out <laughs> and will miss out on getting Juju at low value? Uh, we will see. All right, boys, on to our next receiver here. Coming in at number 10, a guy who, like John said, we all thought was going to be awesome last year, had top five wide receiver written all over him, Oda Beckham Jr. Now, there was a lot wrong in Cleveland last year. A lot. Mm. The offense fell apart. The entire team fell apart because of poor coaching with Freddie Kitchens. He lost the, you know, he lost the locker room, so to speak. Odell banged up with that core muscle injury, has since had surgery. Fellas, let's talk about Odell because I think we can all agree his talent is easily higher than this as a wide mm -hmm. receiver. Yep. But there's some legit concerns about Odell that I feel like not a lot of people really talk about. I mean, a lot of injuries over the last few seasons. I don't think there's any real trend with them. I'm not going to call him injury prone, but he's had the core muscle injury. He's had the fibula fracture. He's had the contusion in his quad, the hamstring strain. Like there's a lot that's piling up. It seems to be fluky, but it's still there. He also hasn't topped six receiving touchdowns since 2016 when he had 10. So are we buying a bounce back from the Browns offense? Do we think Odell is still that elite talent? Uh, what do you guys think about Odell here coming in at 10 in our ranks? He's another tough one, man. He's tough. For me, he's kind of like Juju is, where the the range of outcomes could be so high based on different things. Now, what's interesting is it's kind of opposite scenario here because no one has any concerns that Odell is extremely, extremely talented and can be a one. What we have concerns about is that organization. Maybe Odell's injury history has sapped some of his strength. I don't know if that's necessarily one of the main concerns, but it's just it's hard to explain what has happened to him. Like three years ago, we were talking about this guy as the 101 in a dynasty startup. Hall of Fame talent. Which yes. He was a couple Gold years jacket back. lock. Yeah. Every year, all, all pro. He was going to break Randy Moss type records. And then he's just suffered hey, a bunch of injuries. 
I yes. gotta take a phone call real quick. Hold on. Do it. No worries. He suffered a bunch of injuries. He's got shipped off to a just floundering Cleveland Browns organization, and it has been rough. For me, I'm trusting the talent um, for one more year. I have him at nine. It's the highest of any of the three of us. I think he is so good, and I think that there is a good chance that the Browns get turned around a little bit with the new coaching situation, finally moving on, not only from Hugh Jackson two years ago, but now from the Freddie Kitchens attempted experiment gap thing uh, that did not work at all. I think this offense bounces back. I don't think it maybe is what we all had hoped it would be last year, which was like a top three offense in the league. But I think it gets good enough and Baker takes a little bit of a step forward enough that it can support Odell as the top five talent he is and make him a top 10 fantasy receiver. However, I will say if he does not, I might be out forever. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like he'll have enough opportunity or he's had enough opportunity, I should say, to have proved himself as that type of player in this league. And he has at times, but it hasn't been consistent. I will say... No, I was yeah. talking about Odell, no, but I was going to talk about Baker. I actually, I buy the bounce back. I do. There's a reason we were all so excited about this offense last year, and it got thrown away because the coaching staff was horrendous. In steps Kevin Stefanski. And is he the best head coach ever? We don't know. He hasn't really been a head coach yet, but he's been an offensive coordinator, and he has been someone that runs 12 personnel a ton. This mm -hmm. offense is set up perfectly to run that system. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Baker Mayfield led the NFL in quarterbacks who improved their completion percentage when throwing from play action versus not. Yeah. They run so much play action with Kevin's fancy system. I'm buying the bounce back, and maybe I'll get burned by it, but I'm buying it. I think Odell bounces back. I hedge my ranking a little bit with that being said because there are question marks and there is concern, uh, but I'm buying the bounce back. John, what about you? Yeah, I hedged it even further. Um, I think because I have him the lowest, I'm at 13. Um, so the last two, I'm I'm the lowest uh, on both those wide receivers. Um, again, incredibly elite talent as a wide receiver. Um, when fully healthy, I, I mean, from a pure talent perspective, might be top five um, at the wide receiver position. Yeah, in the NFL. I'd say top three with Julio and DeAndre, honestly. Potentially, yeah. I'd put Michael Thomas maybe above him. Um, but he's right there. He's in the conversation. Yeah. Um, but again, it just seems like year after year, there's been some sort of issue or off the field drama or proposing to kicking nets or <laughs> getting hurt or whatever it is. There's something every year, something. When he went to Cleveland last offseason, I absolutely loved it because in Baker's rookie season, he was incredibly accurate on the deep ball. He looked great on deep throws. Like I, I did a little dig in on the stats very accurate deep ball thrower. Um, I loved that for Odell and his big playability. And we know that Baker going back to college has been a very accurate passer. What does Odell feast on slant routes ball out in front of him that he can catch in space and take it. And I thought that those opportunities would be there for him. And last year sucked. So I think that Stefanski system comes in and again, he has a very balanced duo of wide receivers he had adam thielen and stefan diggs and now he has jarvis landry and odell beckman jr um diggs and thielen were both really good for fantasy i think that jarvis and odell could be really good for fantasy too but my big hang up right now is on baker how much confidence has he lost since coming into the league after having a terrible year last year now has to learn another system 
now has to learn new language, new formations, reading defenses differently. So that's a little bit why I have Odell lower combined with what just seems to be always something off the field with Odell. Yeah, that's it's a fair point. You know, there's there's definitely reasons to question it. And that kind of is why he comes in at 10 uh, in our ranks here for consensus. All right, boys, that was a great show. I mean, not to pat ourselves on the back, but that was a great show. Lots of good discussion, lots of good debate about those rankings. If you want to see more of our rankings, head on over to the website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com, rankings, article, podcast, etc., all up there. Uh, and check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash redshirtspod. You get an extra podcast, you get extra bonus resources, access to the Slack channel, maybe join in a dynasty league with other patrons. The possibilities are endless, and it's just mm. a few bucks a month. Uh, all right, boys, we're going to get out of here. Until next time, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.